by the Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmers Market. In the KSRO Kitchen, I'm Steve Garner along with Chef John Ash. And let me be the first, well, actually, Poppy, you've been wished happy Chinese New Year this past week. It's enough already. It's enough. Well, it's funny that the, the uh, Asian population celebrates New Year's for almost two weeks. Yeah. Unlike yeah. us, it's a big one you, shot and we're you, done. You know, and in different parts of Asia, it's different days. It's not always. Uh, when was it? It began last Sunday. Let, yes. Yeah. Uh, but in depending on where you're at, sometimes it begins on Tuesday or, you know. I that. didn't know that. Yeah. So in Vietnam, yeah. Cambodia, yeah. Singapore, yeah. it does not always start on Sunday. No. I mean, that first day like yeah. in Chinese. We, you know, we tend to think, oh, they're all the same, those Asians. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Well, if you're in the party mood today, I th- well, I think this is pretty funny. The Redwood Empire Chinese Association is presenting traditional Chinese activities um, until 2 o'clock at the Children's Museum of Sonoma County, the Lion and Dragon Dance at 11 and 1 p.m., and also a Museum of Sonoma County storytelling booth. Admission is $16 at the Redwood Empire Chinese Association at the uh, Museum of Sonoma County, the Children's Museum. So this is, so the, it, where is that? The Children's? That's because on there's West Steel Lane. Oh, okay. I yeah, did. I didn't know that. The Snoopy near the Snoopy Ice Arena. Oh, okay. Because so, the Sonoma County Museum is downtown. Yes, but yeah. this is the Children's okay. Museum. So that's a pretty cool that's thing to cool. do. Uh, I don't remember. I, I, I almost didn't remember that we had a gentleman on the show last year to celebrate National Chinese Almond Cookie Day. Do you Did remember we, that interview? No, I don't. It was on April 9th, <laughs> and I procured Orlando Kwan to join us on the show. It was a phone interview uh-huh. because he is the owner of the Eastern Bakery in Chinatown. No, yeah, You've which been I know. There, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. We both lived in San Francisco for years. Do you know that this bakery has been owned by his family since 1924? Wow. And he was interviewed by Gastro Obscura this huh. week, oh. of all people, and they asked him about... Chinese New Year, and what are you doing? And he said, a lot of people come over and tell me, thank God that you're still here after 99 years. Yeah. He said he's featuring eggy custard tarts, glazed pineapple buns, and sweet sesame balls that are lining the cases. Many of the recipes are closely guarded family secrets, which have, as he said, remained unchanged for 99 years. Mm -hmm. So if you're in Chinatown, Mm -hmm. stop by uh, Eastern Bakery. When I was there, a few months ago, this is pretty funny. He was on the sidewalk, sidewalk, asking people to come in the bakery. You're kidding. Oh, and I, I said, hey, Orlando. And he said, do I know you? Yeah. I said, well, you've talked with me. And I introduced myself. He said, oh, remember, almond cookies. <laughs> so he was out there beckoning people to come into huh. the bakery. Because, you know, hard times at Chinatown in San Francisco. Wow, it's true. What you, you I remember when you were there you were saying a lot of places are closed yeah. and it doesn't it 
doesn't have, hopefully, it will again, the same vibrancy. That it, well, a lot of that has moved to Clement Street, as yeah. we know, in the Richmond District. Yeah. Though a lot of the bakeries and restaurants mm-hmm. have closed up shop in Chinatown mm-hmm. and moved. And I hope it's not a national trend that the demise of these of New York's, which is a vibrant Chinatown, mm-hmm. Chicago's is vibrant. A lot of major cities have still vibrant mm-hmm. Chinatowns, but recession and COVID has just decimated well, our San poor, Francisco one. And poor San Francisco, it's it's suffering anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So what did you cook this week, these last 10 days, that you were particularly pleased with? So I did, because it's, a, it's an article I'm working on, a bunch of crepes, <laughs> you oh. know, making, because they're so easy to make. They're just thin pancakes, you know. But the fun part of it was uh, both making the crepes of different kinds, both sweet and savory types, uh, but also looking really digging into the history of crepes and if you think about it it we tend to associate it as being something french you know its home is in Brittany, uh where the buckwheat grows but it was i had to stop myself because i thought i started getting into the history of buckwheat and what it really is and the fact that it's not uh it's gluten-free and you know blah 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 blah, and it's not wheat and you know so i had to back off so a you had bit. to say hold it hold it yeah refocus yeah. yeah so when is this article going to appear february 8th Oh, excellent. Oh, that's a pretty auspicious date, isn't it? It, it is. Did you remember? I remember that's that your birthday. That's right. So the crepe article will appear on Wednesday the 8th, the same day that, of course, you will be out partying till late at night. Yes, just like a, like a madman. Yeah. <laughs> so that was your, you've been working feverishly on crepes yeah, this past week. And, and the other recipe that, you know, I sort of get in these tracks is birria, the Mexican uh, stew uh, with lots of chilies and tomato and whatever it turns out. It, typically it's done with goat, mm-hmm. uh, but you can use whatever protein you want in there. And it's it's really it's so delicious. And it's, when it's been so cold, it's been so nice. And it reheats so beautifully. It does it even better. <laughs> and did you use birria? Did you use goat? I didn't use goat, but I'd used everything else. Everything. So I, so I made it with lamb, and I made it with uh, chicken, and you know all of those things. My warming recipe this week yeah. was homemade split pea soup. Was it? Uh, and oh man, it, it's, with a with a ham hock? And, no, we uh, we've kind of off the uh, salted really? products. Uh, so no ham hocks. What I did use, and I, I cheated, and I'll admit this: a couple drops of liquid smoke. Oh yeah. Well, that gives you that. And gave me yeah. the smoky flavor. Yeah. But it's so simple, and I don't understand why more people just yeah. don't bag a, yeah. bag a couple cups of split peas, eight cups of water, 45 minutes to an hour. They're perfect. I separately sauteed a little celery, a little onion, a little uh-huh. garlic, a little fresh thyme. Added that to the soup. Another 45 minutes to thicken it. Then I blended it with my stick blender. Uh-huh. You made it all smooth? Or all like, smooth. I yeah. smoothed it. Yeah. And then uh, a little bit of toasted pepitas on top. Uh-huh. Um, what else did I put on top? Something else. Maybe a drizzle about. of a really flavorful olive oil. Oh, that would have been a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just made it. And I have, I made, it probably made two plus quarts that I yeah. have frozen. So I can just anytime thaw that out. And it's quick and simple. You don't need to be a cook. To make you beautiful split You know, and one of the, uh, 
do you you have a crock pot? Uh, I do. Uh, uh, so it's even easier there because you take all of that stuff and just throw it in the crock pot and turn it on for on low for six hours or so, and you got it. The other thing we made was sizzling rice soup. Mm. And there is something that's a great party favorite. Carrots, again, celery, chicken stock. We did some sugar snap peas. And it's difficult because here in Sonoma County, you can't find those rice cakes very easily, those sizzling rice mm. cakes. There's only one place we've been able to find. The Asian market out on Guerneville Road mm. carries them. Mm. And there's a pack of about 12 of them. They're little three-inch squares. So after you make your soup, you crisp up your 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 sizzling rice cake in the toaster oven, take it out, and then put it right there, mm. and tss, yeah. it's a party. It's theater. <laughs> so anytime you, and if you have yeah. kids or grandkids over, oh, do they love doing so this. So you know what you should do? You should post those recipes. Do you think? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. So look for the Taiwanese rice cakes Mm -hmm. at the Asian market down on Gurnville Road if you want to make the sizzling rice cake. And split pea soup, you really hardly need a recipe for it. But make some So you know, of all those legumes, you know the one I, the soup I like the most is the Senate white bean soup. Do you know what that is? I do. It's a very famous, uh, been made in the Senate since 1920 six or something like that and they still serve it every day at the in the senate restaurant and you make it yeah oh it's it's another one of those really simple things but it does have pork product (laughs) i'm a big pork fan 636 1350 you will need to know this number later in the show because one lucky listener is going to win a chance if you've got the time this afternoon you're not booked to go to a sensational one-of-a-kind wine tasting in Healdsburg. We'll meet the two gentlemen that will be pouring at this wine from the Atlantic Seaboard Association. Fabulous wines. This will be uh, about our 11th or 12th visit with these two gentlemen exploring the wide, wonderful world of wines from the East Coast. I'm Steve Garner along with Chef John Ash in the Chaos Auto Kitchen. and ranchers who raise quality locally grown food products for you to enjoy. At the market, you can savor a variety of delicious prepared foods. The market offers fresh local ingredients for healthy dinners, a variety of quality meats from beef and pork to seafood, along with seasonal fruits and vegetables. Taste the local cow and goat cheese blends from Achadina Cheese Company. Purchase the wonderful baked goods, jams, spices, and pastas. Everything you need to create memorable, healthy dinners is at the Santa Rosa Original Farmers Market. Open year-round, rain or shine, Saturdays, 8.30 till 1 p.m. at Luther Burbank Center for the Arts. The Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmers Market, where it's always fresh, local, and fun. It's the perfect season for a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event. Save up to 45% on secure PCs built for business with Windows 10 Pro. You'll also find great savings on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and other accessories to help boost productivity. Plus, enjoy free shipping on everything. Do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Call 877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL for business specials during Dell's Summer Sale Event. 
The Bucket Brigade Challenge is on. Through January 31st, fire departments compete to host the largest blood drive and win the Bucket Trophy. Gather your friends and family and help our local fire departments win that trophy. Because We Care underwriter Ungaro & Sons reminds you that January is National Blood Donor Month. Blood supplies are very low right now, so eligible blood donors of all types are needed. If you are a healthy adult, go to Vitalant.org now to learn more and make your appointment. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it. Way back in 2010, we started this great adventure exploring the wines from the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association. Grant Crandall, Dave Barber have been our guides for all of these years, and they are back today pouring some great wines for us this morning. And also, you will have a chance to experience many of these same great wines this afternoon up in Healdsburg. David, good to see you again. Glad to be back and see you. And Grant, good to see you. Excellent. Glad to see you. So tell us your roles in this organization. Dave, or who wants to start? I'm Grant, and I'm the president of the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association. Give us a little history of the association. The association was founded in 1973, originally called the Vinifera Wine Growers Association. That's before our Sonoma County Mm. ones. Because uh, on the East Coast, they were doing almost all these hybrid grapes because that's all that would handle the climate and the other challenges with the knowledge that they had at that point. So in the Finger Lakes area, Dr. Constantine Frank and several others promoted the growing of vinifera. Initially, it was mainly Riesling and Gewürztraminer. That started in the very late 60s and early 70s, and they wanted to have some... Uh, way of influencing the whole East Coast. And so we were founded as the Vinifera wine growers to focus essentially on the mid-Atlantic area and to promote Vinifera. And we've done that ever since. How many states are in the association? 17 states. Every state from Maine to Florida that touches the Atlantic Ocean, as well as Vermont, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and West Virginia for continuity. So it's the entire, what most people think of as the East Coast. So for people who don't know, can you... uh, Describe vinifera, what that means? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's essentially the European grapes that came here that most people associate with standard wine. Fine wines, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. And Dave Barber. uh, Vinifera is a species of wine. We have many different Mm. species of of grapes coming through there. Vinifera is generally found in Europe and, of course, transplanted elsewhere, where the North American continent has more indigenous species of grapes than any other continent. We have Really? Labo- mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Europe basically has one or maybe two uh, species, but they're good for making wine, as we all know. When the early Vikings and early settlers to the East Coast found a lot of grapes growing, wild grapes, they called the whole area Vineland because of that. And that's when the British started coming through, they thought we can make grapes, grow the grapes, make the wine, send it back to the home country, and we'll all be happy. Well, unfortunately, they tried making that, and the native grapes weren't making too good of wines, and they weren't really acceptable. 
but they continued on in trying to hybrid different mm -hmm. yeah. brought Europe, vinifera grapes over the european grapes to grow but had other issues with a lot of weather uh rot mildew etc so they had to come up with other ways and they found some mm -hmm. of the native grapes the, another species we've heard vinifera but labrusca basically from northern Pennsylvania north. Labrusca, you all know what that is, Concord. Mm -hmm. So you know your jellies and your juices are Concord and Niagara. Then we also have Rotundifolia, Vetus Rotundifolia, which is basically North Carolina and south, a little bit west. That's your Muscadine and Scuppernog. And then you have other grapes, Vetus estivalis, which is Virginia and west. And that's basically a Norton grape, which is known a little bit out in California here, but not too much, mm -hmm. but we grow it a lot on the east. And then, of course, we have other grape varieties, grape species grown there. Vetus riparia. You all know that, but you don't know you know it <laughs> because Vetus riparia is your rootstock. It's very aggressive, uh -huh. but doesn't grow a lot of the uh, fruit usable for grapes, uh -huh. usable for wine. But it's a very vigorous vine. And when another pest that we had originally in the East Coast was this little bug in the ground, Phylloxera, the root louse. You know that, and that basically eats the, the roots and kills the vine. And that's when we tried growing the vinifera originally on the East Coast. Along with the weather issues, we had the phylloxera issues, but no one knew about it for a while. So our gift to France was when they were taking grapes, native grapes, to see if they could do them in Europe, there, no one knew about the phylloxera root louse, so when they dug up a clump of dirt and the, so and the uh, soil around the vine and shipped it over, the phylloxera went with it. Sure. So basically all of the European, most of the European <laughs> vines were wiped out. But we also had a cure because they had other vines, and they realized that the native species had, were, uh, had grown immune to the phylloxera. So you plate the native American rootstock and graft over to your vinifera. Unbelievable. So today, mm. basically all of Europe is based on native American rootstock, mm. as is California. USA. Yeah. <laughs> we, we destroyed their vineyards but gave them the yeah. cure. So the wine competition, yeah, I know you've been the wine competition coordinator for, yes. for a number of years. Well, it's 17 years we just mm. had the competition. And you just had the competition yes, recently. in August. And you're going to be pouring some of the sweepstakes winners this afternoon at the Sonoma County Correct. Wine Library in Healdsburg. Do yes. I have this correct? Yes. We will be doing a little overview of the hybridization and why we do that and the grape styles and everything. And we have examples. We have about two cases, a little over two cases that we'll be pouring so people can taste some of the wines, be it the hybrids and the vinifera and the whatever we, that we all grow mm -hmm. on the East Coast. Now, I didn't talk too much about the hybrids, but again, in that lead-in, we're trying to grow vinifera, which wasn't happening. But the vinifera being the Cabernet again, Sauvignon, you, the Chardonnay. European, yes, yeah. yes. And the native grapes were there, which no one liked the taste of. So the botanists figure if you do the sexual reproduction of the grapes by having a male grape and a female grape get together one night in the mm. vineyard, they begat <laughs> new species, mm -hmm. just like humans. A male mm. and a female get together, and your kid is different than either of the parents. Mm -hmm. You have another kid. Hopefully better. Than them. Exactly. <laughs> but in the, bot in the botanical way, if one doesn't have the proper traits, you just don't breed them anymore. That's mm -hmm. right. Unfortunately, with children, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so was there, does, I'm struggling to get it out here, the, the global warming has 
it's made a difference, I would think. It's begun, it's begun to make a difference in this area. And one of the reasons, uh, now uh, three-quarters of all the wine on the East Coast is this vinifera, the standard Merlot mm-hmm. Cabernet. Uh-huh. But a quarter of it is still the French-American and other hybrids. There are actually some cold-hardy hybrids in the north that are being done. And what's happened, among other things, is younger people in particular are especially interested in how do we handle global warming and what species will deal or what varietals will deal with that and some of these hybrids that we're talking about take far less in the way of fungicides and other sprays and the like Mm -hmm. and so there's actually a bit of a resurgence of some of these naturally disease resistant uh, in the context of global Mm -hmm. warming hybridization hybridization is very interesting because you're breeding them to develop the better traits of each parent Mm -hmm. And you're going in hybrid, hybrids of hybrids of hybrids. It takes a while for a plant to seed and then grow and see if it's going to be good. If it's not going to be good or the potential, they just don't do it anymore. If it is going to be good, mm-hmm. they still breed it for other things. Uh, for instance, it's a, a way that most people, many people know that a cross is the same reproduction within a species. For instance, Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc got together mm-hmm. and developed Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Now that's both of them are vinifera species, so that is what's typically called a cross. If you do that same process with one species, a grape of one species and a grape of another species, that's a hybrid because you're crossing mm-hmm. the species. Oh, sure. So an example uh, is Vidal Blanc, which many people may not have heard of Vidal Blanc, but that's a clean hybrid. The first time out, they got it right. Vidal Blanc, one of the parents is Trebbiano, if you're Italian. Mm-hmm. Same grape, Uni Blanc in mm-hmm. France. Yeah. Same grape, just different names mm-hmm. because of different country growing it. And the Rayon d'Or, which is a Native American grape. They got together one night in the vineyard and we got Vidal Blanc. Mm-hmm. So all of these states, or many of our states in the eastern seaboard, have developed these hybrids on their own. Well, I mean, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, they all start somewhere. Don't the, they? State, the states per se didn't do them. A lot of the hybridization originally was done in France. That's why we call them French-American hybrids. Oh. The Vidal Blanc, mm-hmm. Saval Blanc. Oh. There were a lot of botanists who were trying to boost up the vinifera growing in France. And there's still some there, but a lot of them, they say we don't grow any of the hybrids because that has the native, nasty native grapes in the rootstock. But or in the structure. In the modern context, uh, it's done quite a bit at Cornell University and the University mm-hmm. of Minnesota, and they're developing especially cold, hardy hybrids for the northern climates in the country. But people are still growing the Dornfelders and Correct. the Lemburgers and yes. all these unusual varietals, and most Fredonia and Traminette, and uh, uh, they sound like uh, French. They sound like a lineage of kings from Europe or mm-hmm. some right, obscure right. cheeses, but these are actually hybrid American grapes that were developed that grow here. Right. Well, you talked you talked about Traminet. Traminet we took Gewurztraminer and an unnamed uh, Native American hybrid, an unnamed hybrid, and crossed them together and got Traminet. Mm-hmm. Why do Traminet? Why not Gewurztraminer? Well, Gewurztraminer doesn't like the climate everywhere. And uh, the hybrids usually were blending in the genes that were Mm -hmm. cold hardy. For instance, when we did a Chardonnay hybrid of a Saval Blanc cross that way, Chardonnay in the winter, if it goes to zero degrees, below zero degrees, it kills the vine. Not next year's growth, but the vine itself. And you have the opportunity of replanting your vineyard. Hybridized Chardonnay and Saval Blanc, which is a hybrid, 
got together and it's called a Chardonnay. I re- we tasted that. Mm-hmm. Yes, That's and right. a Chardonnay can go down to minus 10 degrees. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound like much, 10 degrees, but when you talk below zero, it's a significant. Boy, right now, just looking at the weather in your part of the world, it's really cold. <laughs> That's and so, right. That's so right. there's real danger that some, some of these will be knocked out. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, you have brought in wines for us to taste. Why don't we yes. take a quick break, and why don't we start tasting, and we want to remind folks, mm-hmm. can people just come to this event this afternoon? I, it's Do you sponsored know? by the Sonoma County Wine Library, yeah. so I think they have... Well, uh, it looks like it's tickets $30 for members mm-hmm. and 35 for non-members. Yes. And it starts at 3 o'clock, and it's at the clubhouse at the Healdsburg Golf Club in Taman Park. Correct. And there'll be some light appetizers offered. Yes. So I'm well, sure they'll, you can come in and pay and come in and try some of the mm-hmm. wines. And uh, as we move for the show, uh, keep listening because we have a pair of tickets to give away oh, to great. a very lucky, lucky <laughs> yeah. listener. And they'll have your name at check-in, so you'll be able mm-hmm. to identify yourself. And you and a friend can go and uh, meet Dave and grant yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're, visual, you're envisioning what these guys look like. <laughs> and they're actually much better looking than what you thought. <laughs> 636-1350, that's the number to remember for later in the show because we will be giving away tickets. And when we come back, we'll taste some of these fabulous, very unique wines. Steve Garner and Chef John Ash in the Chaos Ardo Kitchen. at 103.5 in Santa Rosa and Windsor, and now at 96.9 in Petaluma. Edward Fillion and the team at the Center for Spiritual Living continues to create a world that works for everyone. The Center for Spiritual Living in Santa Rosa invites you back with two identical in-person services each Sunday at 9 and 11. From 10 to 11, visit the art show in Stepping Stones Books and Gifts. You can also view services on the website, Facebook, and YouTube. Go to cslsr.org for more information and updates. Attend Wednesday evening meditations from home via Zoom. Take advantage of the telephone prayer ministry, access videos of Sunday messages, and resources like the online affirmative prayer library covering a variety of subjects. That's cslsr.org. On behalf of Edward Fillion and the staff, we are immensely grateful for the dozens of individuals and teams working to keep us connected and on our spiritual path as we study, pray, love, support, and serve together. Listen to Spiritual Living with Edward Fillion, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. right here on KSRO. Want to know what's new in cosmetic procedures? Just ask Dr. Walter Tom. I get it. You look in the mirror and you're beginning to notice some changes. Dr. Walter Tom loves questions. In fact, Dr. Tom thinks you should ask as many questions as you like before any procedure. Yes, there are some new treatments that do not require surgery. Dr. Walter Tom, bringing you the most advanced cosmetic techniques available and always willing to answer your questions. The new thinking is biostimulation. This prompts your body's own regenerative ability to heal itself. One question leads to another, and every question is important. We have an array of options to restore that youthful glow, including Sculptra, PRP, absorbable threads, and radio frequency. Let's go over them. Dr. Tom was voted the best cosmetic surgeon in the North Bay. Find out why. Make an appointment today for a free consultation. Go online to drwaltertom.com. Mercedes-Benz of Santa Rosa is one of the premier Mercedes-Benz dealerships in the Bay Area. Their experienced sales staff are eager to help you find the Mercedes-Benz of your dreams. You'll find a full lineup of new Mercedes-Benz models as well as high-quality certified pre-owned vehicles. 
Mercedes-Benz of Santa Rosa stands by their customer's side from the beginning of the car buying process all the way to the moment they drive their vehicle off the lot. Their certified factory trained service technicians take care of everything from basic oil changes to major repairs and are committed to helping you keep that luxury vehicle in excellent condition for many years to come. When you decide to visit Mercedes-Benz of Santa Rosa, you'll have access to a streamlined car buying process. You can apply for financing, estimate your monthly payment, and value your trade-in right from the comforts of your home. Mercedes-Benz of Santa Rosa on the Corby Auto Row and mbofsantarosa.com. I'm KSO Rosedale and Trucios with Sonoma County's most accurate, most dependable forecast. Mostly sunny for your Saturday, high of 57, 54 along the coast. Wind speeds 5 to 10 miles an hour inland, up to 25 on the shores. Partly cloudy for tonight, low 37 degrees. Mostly sunny for Sunday, high of 54. Wind speeds are about the same. Monday and Tuesday, sunny in the mid-50s. Depend on weather every 30 minutes on FM News Talk 103.5 and 96.9 KSRO. It's a yearly get-together, always in January, when we meet Grant and Dave from the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association. They've come in from Virginia. They'll be pouring this afternoon at the Healdsburg Wine Library. And a lucky KSRO listener will be attending that tasting if you have the time this afternoon from 3 to 5. And it will be a will call. Of course, you'll check in and there will be your ticket. So this first wine, Grant, talk about the first one we're going to taste. So we're starting off in New York State in the Finger Lakes region, which is the original area where vinifer were introduced. And this is a Riesling, which is what that area is best known for. That part of the state is about an hour and a half southeast of Rochester. So it's in the middle of the state in a fairly cold area. And the reason it can grow these types of grapes like Riesling is because the water is so deep that it moderates the climate immediately around the lake. So this winery, Lakewood, is at the very bottom of the largest of those lakes. It's at Watkins Glen at the south end of Seneca Lake. The winery's been in the family for three generations. Um, it was originally many, many years ago an apple uh, orchard, and they have about 80 acres under vine, and, and the generations of family continue to bring it up. And as a result, by the way, the cost of the wines is lower because they got no land, land cost mm -hmm. anymore yeah. to factor in. $15 suggested retail. Precisely. Yeah. So. So I note uh, in the notes that you gave us that it has a bit of residual sugar, but not a lot. No, it's 2.4 residual uh, sweetness uh, as it's measured uh, there. Uh, but the perception is not because, again, Riesling, originally from Germany grape, mm -hmm. but growing here in the Finger Lakes, you get a lot of acid in there. So, again, your acid and your sugar balances out. That's all sweet-sour kind of a concept. So the sweetness is technically in the wine but it's not perceptible because it's balanced out with the you're, acid. You're right. I, you know, for those who always think that Riesling is sweet and yeah. I'm not going to drink that and all that stuff, this, 
I, I would have no no sense that there's any sugar yeah. in exactly yeah. the acid overpowers it makes yeah. it more palatable yeah. and virtually every winery on the east coast that does reasoning at all does a, tr- a dry a literally mm-hmm. dry which would be a little drier than this but they usually do a quote just standard mm-hmm. riesling which is like this a teeny bit of residual sugar to balance the acid but doesn't doesn't that little bit of sugar also heighten punch up the flavor exactly. of the grape exactly I mean, it's like a catalyst of yeah explodes. yeah and I like that it's low alcohol. Mm-hmm. The lowest alcohol wine, which we'll taste, it's only 11%. So you can enjoy this easily throughout a meal and uh, still have a conversation. One of the, character- <laughs> one of the characteristics you're going to see from wines from the East Coast is that they are lower alcohol in general. We're not tasting a single wine, including the heavier reds, that is 14% or above. Well, of course, if you could grow Zinfandel back then, that would yeah. be... That would be different. So, well, so in the past, though, you've had, uh, we've tasted Tanat, which is correct. that obscure grape variety mm-hmm. that is so alcoholic and so dark and yes. all of that stuff. But it grows there too. Tanat grows there, and mm-hmm. Petit Verdot. We'll do yeah, a few yeah. Petit Verdots a little later. Yeah. But again, why it's lesser alcohol is because we don't have that long, hot growing season uh-huh. as much. We have a longer season, but again, not as long as California does. So we have to make the most that we do. Especially further north you go in the Finger Lakes, you're not going to have a lot of hang time. And what it does, you develop the acidity in the Riesling also. So I know it's not in this mm-hmm. list that we're going to be tasting today, but ice wines. Yes. There, there are a lot of those made yes. where this winery Correct. is in the, in, Finger the, Lakes. in the Finger Lakes. That's true. Yeah. And north into Canada, there's a lot of ice so, wine. So would you mm-hmm. briefly describe, what is an ice wine? An ice, an uh, ice wine is a grape that's made and keeps ripening and on hanging on there. And the technical law is an ice wine has to be frozen, still hanging on the vine, thawed, and by natural sunlight, frozen, thawed, frozen, and I believe it's three or four times, and then picked in the middle of the night when it's frozen. <laughs> so it's not a very warming experience, mm. but you get a very nice wine with a concentrated sweetness. The, while it's frozen, all the liquid, the wateriness of the grape is frozen out, and that is not pressed through the thing. That mm. is discarded through the wine press. So it's a, it's a raisin. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you squeeze a little juice out of it, yeah. and that's what ferments and you enjoy. Yeah. Would you describe the second wine we're tasting? Yes, this is the Rosadia, which is the proprietary name for the rosé produced by Jones Van Drill wine, Winery. That's in North Carolina. Each of these were moving from state to state. Um, this The area where it's located is the prime area for the better wines in North Carolina. That's called the Yadkin Valley. And that's because a lot of the wineries on the East Coast are in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountain chain. And that's true of this one as well. The wine itself is predominantly Grenache, 97% Grenache. Um, The alcohol level is low, 10.5, and it's $24. So what else is in there? Besides, be, besides they very small portions, two percent of Mouvedre, point five percent, meaning a half a percent of Tanat and a half a percent of Petit hmm. Verdot. Well, it, it's very pretty, too, and and delicious. A lot of times, those little other add-ons to the winery is like the winemaker's palate: a dash of salt, dash mm-hmm. of pepper, dash mm-hmm. of Tanat. Mm-hmm. This is very nice. So, the, well, rosés have taken everybody by Correct. storm, and I'm sure they sell very well yes. at wineries in the eastern seaboard, so, too. So I want to order a case of this. How do I get it? You, you basically have to touch base with the winery. Okay. Yeah. 
and, and they can all ship into California. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can order from each of these wineries uh-huh. as long as they distribute here, yeah. which is true for the substantial majority, particularly the ones we have in the show. Most of uh-huh. these you can get. For those that are going to the tasting up at the Healdsburg Wine Library this afternoon, although we're not going to get a chance to taste it here, unfortunately, the people that go to the tasting this afternoon will be able to taste a sparkling wine, won't they? That's right. That's our yes. best of show. This year, our best of show is a Blanc de Noir from Cross Keys Vineyard, which is in uh, central Virginia, uh, west, slightly west of Charlottesville, Virginia. Have the Noirs, all Pinot Noir in this case. Has uh, Sparkling Wine won Best of Show before at the tasting? Yes, we've had uh, Dr. Constantine Frank from New York mm-hmm. have done Sparkling Wine, actually twice have won a Best of Show for a Sparkling Riesling, the Celebre, uh-huh. and also a Blanc Noir, I believe they did was, a few yes. years prior. Yeah, it was. Is this an old winery or a pretty new winery? Cross Keys is medium old, I would say maybe <laughs> 20 years old. <laughs> depends upon your definition of old <laughs> but they actually won best of show a few years ago with a rosé yeah it's the first time we'd ever had a rosé win best it was that show. spectacular uh-huh. it was wow. that spectacular and do you know what the suggested retail of this sparkler is of the sparkler 30, 30, 30, 30, 35 oh, roughly 35 yeah. how, how reasonable yeah. real reasonable yeah. now it is 100 percent pinot noir but unfortunately pinot noir doesn't grow that well in virginia mm-hmm. because it's thin skin and um usually mm-hmm. rots before it ripens but people who are growing it usually gr- pick it early keeping the acidity mm-hmm. there to make a rosa or to make a sparkling wine why don't we take a quick break i think we're moving into reds next correct. is that yes. correct yes dave barber grant crandall are here from the atlantic seaboard wine association it's based in virginia they completed their competition last summer and today you'll have a chance to taste many of these sweepstakes and best of class wines at the healdsburg wine library this afternoon from three to five members thirty dollars of course when you go you get a membership get in save five dollars non-members thirty five dollars and it's at the clubhouse at the healdsburg golf club in Taman park terrific opportunity to taste and learn about wines that even if you're a wine lover and very knowledgeable probably have never seen or tasted before i'm steve gardner along with chef john ash in the ksro kitchen the brian kilmeade show tackling the top news stories of the day be them political financial sports entertainment or gossip weekdays nine to noon on ksro mosquitoes carry the west now virus to keep you and your family safe here's a few things you can do Report neglected pools, spas, and water features. Get free mosquito fish from the district office for your outdoor water features, like water troughs, wine barrels, backyard ponds, water features, and other man-made water sources. Rinse and refill your pet's water dish one to two times a week. Your backyard chicken water, too. Store containers upside down. For more information, go to msmosquito.org. Improperly maintained or neglected pools and spas can produce hundreds of thousands of mosquitoes, resulting in neighborhood-wide mosquito problems that can increase the risk of mosquito-borne diseases like West Nile virus. If you have an unmaintained pool or spa or know of one in your community, contact the Marin Sonoma Mosquito and Vector Control District at 707-285-2200 or online at msmosquito.org for help. That's 707-285-2200 or msmosquito.org. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. Divorce can be complicated, especially if children are involved. If you're a father and want to protect your role in your children's lives, remember Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men with matters like these for 30 years, and we'd love to help you. 
Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell and Cordell San Francisco area attorneys, 650-389-1111. Online at CordellCordell.com, 951 Mariners Island Boulevard, Suite 300, San Mateo, California, 94404. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it. Exploring the wines of the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association with Dave Barber and Grant Crandall, tasting this afternoon at the Healdsburg Wine Library. What's our next wine? We started in New York and then we moved on to North Carolina. Now we're going to Virginia, a central part of Virginia. The Narmada uh, Winery has an interesting history. We're doing their Cab Franc. The Cab Franc in this particular case is from 2019. The percentage of alcohol is 13.9 and the price is $38. The interesting part, I think, of this winery is that wine, the owners and winemakers are from India originally. Hmm. They migrated wow. to the United States 40 years ago, and it was an arranged marriage that worked out extremely well for this couple. No. Uh, <laughs> and it, partly because the wife's family insisted at the point of arrangement that she be allowed to continue her education. She became a dentist. He, be, he was a scientist. Unfortunately, he has passed away. But she is still the winemaker there, studied under some of the best winemakers in Virginia, including James Law. And as a result, the uh, wines there are consistently mm-hmm. really nice. And a reasonable $38 yeah. suggested retail. And this was a, received a silver for this blend. Yes. It's so, so Cab Franc, though, does better in, in, that, better in that part of the world because yes. it doesn't require the same heat and all of that that Cabernet Sauvignon does. Exactly. The yeah. soils is one thing that the, the Cabernet Franc is more sharing of the soils. Where Cabernet Sauvignon wants more strict soil and a little longer growing season, a little more heat to really ripen. Unfortunately, it doesn't um, in Virginia all the time. So mm-hmm. people always come, I'll, I'd like to have a cab. And I say, well, first of all, you got to use last names, Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc, mm-hmm. because we do more Cabernet Franc because it, it grows and ripens better. There is some Cabernet Sauvignon, but basically once every two or three years, you'll get a really good vine, a really good harvest that really ripens. The others are so-so, a lot of rosé out of that. Mm-hmm. The next one is from Thanksgiving Farm. David, while you're pouring this grant, would you talk about this uh, reserve meritage that we're going to be tasting? Yes. Now, again, we're moving to another state. Here we're going to Maryland, to Thanksgiving Farm, which is only 20 miles east of the Washington, D.C. capital. We're dealing with a Meritage Reserve, which most of you think of as a Bordeaux blend, if that's how you see things. It has the combination that is very common on the East Coast. You don't see a lot of Cab Sauv dominant uh, Bordeaux blends. This one has 47% Merlot and 27% Petit Verdot with some Cab Franc Mm. as well. This is a fairly common Mm. balance among those varietals. This is quite nice. But it's a nice blend, and they've been making wine for a while. I don't know exactly, but I'd say the 20, 30-year range. And they do a lot of the, either the reserve or the plain blends. And you get the grapes in there, and the, this, the blend is really good. That's what you're looking for, the dominance of each grape to balance off the, the other one. Have you visited this winery? I have not been there personally, but mm. I've tasted a lot of their wines. And where is it? 
It's 20 miles directly east of the U.S. Capitol mm. in, Mar- in Maryland. No. But, but literally, I mean, you can get there in a half an hour. Wow. Isn't it remarkable? So, so there is, I think you've shared with us, us before, there is, there are, very, well, more than one, wine roads in that part Correct. of the, so that if, you know, rather than just trying to find these places yourself, mm-hmm. you can travel the wine road. There are a lot of wine trails and mm-hmm. wineries are banded together for PR purposes mm-hmm. and either have specials or buy one price. You get tastings of all of them, whatever. And all throughout, New York has a lot, each of their areas. Virginia has quite a few. Maryland has some. Pennsylvania has some. Mm-hmm. And also people say, well, these little podunk states, what do we have? Well, <laughs> actually, I know more in Virginia because I'm from Virginia. We have seven AVAs in Virginia, wow. mm-hmm. American viticultural areas, which uh, obviously California has a lot more, but seven we're pretty proud of. And mm-hmm. New York has, I forget the number, but at least that, if not up to 10. And if you're interested in a list of the wineries mm-hmm. in the States, we have it on our website, oh. which, because it's the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association, yeah. it's aswa.org. Mm-hmm. So this is the Thanksgiving Farm Reserve Meritage from Maryland, 2019, a gold, a blend of Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Cab Franc. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really yes. nice. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Why don't we take a break? Just a couple minutes, and we'll come back, and we have uh, two more wines to taste, don't we? That's correct, yep. Dave Barber and Grant Crandall from the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association. And one lucky KSRO listener will get a chance to taste wines with a friend this afternoon from 3 to 5 up at the Healdsburg Golf Club in Taman Park. Back after this. Streaming powered by Hudson Street Design, a Healdsburg Lumber Company. Do healthy eating habits fit into your New Year's resolution? Then shop the Santa Rosa Certified Farmer's Market for fresh local produce. It's important to know where your food comes from, and you can meet the local farmers and ranchers who raise quality, locally grown food products for you to enjoy. At the market, you can savor a variety of delicious prepared foods. The market offers fresh local ingredients for healthy dinners, a variety of quality meats from beef and pork to seafood, along with seasonal fruits and vegetables. Taste the local cow and goat cheese blends from Achadina Cheese Company. Purchase the wonderful baked goods, jams, spices, and pastas. Everything you need to create memorable, healthy dinners is at the Santa Rosa Original Farmer's Market. Open year-round, rain or shine, Saturdays, 8.30 till 1 p.m. at Luther Burbank Center for the Arts. The Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmer's Market, where it's always fresh, local, and fun. Agricultural Community Farmers Markets bring you fresh produce, meat, and dairy each week, year-round. Wednesdays and Saturdays, 8.30 to 1, the tradition continues at the Santa Rosa Community Farmers Market at Farmers Lane Plaza. Create your own healthy farm-to-table meals. Chicken, lamb, beef, and fresh fish, all available from the local farmers and ranchers, including Betha Springs Ranch and Santa Rosa Seafood. Seasonal produce available like pomegranates, persimmons, strawberries, winter squash, greens, and green beans. Kem has berries galore, including plump, sweet blueberries. Stop by the Italian corner for pastas, sauces, and more. Get baked goods from Nikki's Flower Creations and Redbird Bakery. Jams and jellies from Wine Country Preserves. Fresh coffee from Bella Rosa Coffee Roasters. Grab restaurant-quality prepared food from vendors like Nelly's Oysters, Holy Mole, and Chad's Soup Shack. Order online for curbside shopping service. More info at ilovefarmersmarkets.org. Who doesn't love a quickie? 
right, relax, folks. I'm talking about the 20-minute once-a-week workout from Inform Fitness in Rohnert Park. It's safe and efficient, and it's exercise backed by extensive scientific research. You're busy with work, the kids, your spouse, homework. Where do you find the time to work out? Go to informfitness.com slash Park and sign up for a free workout now. Informfitness.com in Rohnert Park. Informfitness.com. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it. Joining Chef John Ash and me, Steve Garner, in the Chaos Auto Kitchen are Dave Barber, the competition chairman for the Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association, and Grant Crandall, also with the association. We're tasting some of the great wines that they'll be pouring this afternoon at the Healdsburg Wine Library event from 3 to 5. What's our next wine, Dave? Our next wine is 53rd Winery. Uh, Rockridge. Rockridge is a proprietary name, and full disclosure, I do work in the tasting room at this winery, so (laughs) I'm not biased because it still has a good wine. Uh, Rockridge is a predominant Petit Verdot variety. We grow Petit Verdot a lot. We, Virginia, East Coast, started planting a lot of the Bordeaux varietals just to do Bordeaux grapes, and then we figured out what do we do with all the stuff after we blended it, because you only need a little bit of Petit Verdot in a Bordeaux blend. Mm -hmm. This one has a bit more Petit Verdot. We do um, so it's a, it's a blend, predominantly Petit Verdot. It's about, uh, I lost my page here, about 65, 66%, two-thirds Petit Verdot, then some Cabernet Franc and Merlot to balance it out. But you do get that rich purple color of the Petit Verdot. You get a lot of nice violets, a lot of nice plum flavors coming from the wine. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, full-bodied wine. Yeah, Petit Verdot is a fairly big uh, mm-hmm. participant on the East Coast more so than, say, in Bordeaux, because, again, comparing it to Cab Sauve, which we tried initially, it is it uh, can harvest be harvested earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more cold-hardy than Cabernet Sauvignon. It has small berries and loose clusters, so it's more disease-resistant. And we're going to try another mm. Petit Verdot, aren't we? Yes, this is 100% Petit Verdot from Carriage House Vineyards, a very small winery, uh, just about 40 miles northwest of Washington, D.C. It has, we were talking about the higher alcohol, this is a very nice wine with 12.3% mm-hmm. alcohol. And this was a best of class. Yes, correct. right. Yeah. And a, a nice price point at $33. So Petit Verdot... It, it sets well, it's fairly disease resistant, it yields well, and so, as you mentioned, a lot of growers are growing yes, for dough. Yes, and then bottling is varietals, where mm-hmm. I like to tell the story that we planted all the Bordeaux varietals, and you only need 10-15% of Petit Verdot mm-hmm. in your Bordeaux blend, and we sat back and said, what are we going to do the rest of the Petit Verdot we grew? <laughs> right. So we tasted it and bottled it in the bottles. Well, Californians said, you can't do Petit Verdot varietals, because we don't. French said, oh, mon Dieu, you mm. can't do Petit Verdot. It's too harsh and rich. And we just said, try ours. Mm. And now a lot of California wineries, a lot of French mm-hmm. wineries are doing Petit Verdot varietals. So once again, the East Coast shows mm. you how to make wine. Mm. This, is, this is very, That's great. very good. That's delicious. Did you taste this yeah, yet? Yeah. 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 Well, maybe so, we, yeah. so we were talking uh, before I came on the show about so a lot. 
all of these wineries are small. They are. The median size on the East Coast is 4,000 cases, mm-hmm. so they're very small in general. And, and that dictates a, a different way of marketing. Mm-hmm. Here on the West Coast, 90% of the volume that's produced in California, for example, is sold through distribution, mm-hmm. meaning it goes to a warehouse somewhere, mm-hmm. and then it goes to a store, and then it's sold. The opposite is true on the East Coast. More than 70% of all sales on the East Coast are direct-to-consumer, and they're direct-to-consumer in a couple of ways. Mainly, you try and induce people to come to your winery and taste mm-hmm. and join your wine club, but also by e-commerce, once they've had a chance to taste and like it then you use that methodology as well so that is the primary reason the wineries are located in in a particular way to deal with the marketing as well the vast majority of wineries on the east coast are within two hours of a major metropolitan area from new york boston new york philly Mm -hmm. dc charlotte and then actually down to atlanta most people don't know but even in northern georgia the appalachian mountains touch the north part of georgia and there's some nice wineries there are all the wineries paid tastings at this point? Uh, well, yes. Uh, there are one or two exceptions, but they're paid, but we're not at all like this area. <laughs> we're, we're talking $10 or $15. $20 is about as high as it gets. And many of them, if you purchase, then you don't even you pay the fee. Man. Are you listening, California? <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's how they sell. That's how I, people join the wine yeah. clubs. And that's how when we were in the pandemic era a lot of the wineries really survived because their wine clubs were large Uh and a lot of their wine club members were so dedicated that they purchased on top of their subscription Mm -hmm. wines and that helped keep many of the wineries afloat i thought that was fascinating loyalty yes so can you and david agree on your favorite number today between one and twelve you can discuss it among yourself what do you think sure Seven. <laughs> Caller number seven at 636-1350 will win admission for two to this afternoon's Atlantic Seaboard Wine Association tasting event. It's at the Healdsburg Golf Club in Tayman Park. It is from three to five this afternoon. Light appetizers will be offered. Caller number seven at 636-1350. We'll just uh, have your name and uh, cell phone contact and you'll be able to pick up your tickets at will mm. call this afternoon thank you so much for donating those tickets to make someone very happy mm-hmm. and a friend of theirs too so what's on the horizon can you use your crystal ball in the next couple of years what are we going to see in the world of white and red wines along the atlantic seaboard anything brewing well we're still looking to see what the best grapes that grow in the area are we tried different things we've done petite mensang of course cabernet franc there's a lot of hybrids further north that are growing well Exactly what, I think more of the same, more blends, more untraditional East Coast grapes uh, coming through, and the wines, the blue show that. And the winemakers are very excited about doing different things, and then blends too. We do varietals, mm-hmm. but then blends. Because again, the palate of the what source they have to make a better wine and put it together. Okay. On, on the white side, I think mainly Petite uh, Mensang and Albarino, which does yeah. extremely well on the East we Coast. We tasted a couple Albarinos mm. here, right. and we like them mm. a great deal. Yeah, and because Sauvignon Blanc doesn't do well on the East Coast, mm-hmm. in, except a few microclimates, it's a nice part of your portfolio mm. as a winery to have Albarino, which is very good. Well, on the wines East Coast. are more, they're difficult. Let's face it, yeah. people are, oh, white wine. Anybody. Whites are much tougher to make, mm-hmm. don't you think, than, than reds with uh, bacterial problems, fungal problems, yeah. uh, no grape contact, no skin contact. So you have uh, some color issues and 
Aren't they more there's, challenging there's by more lunch? For the clarity and the crispness to keep them there. First of all, you need good grapes because that's how you make a good mm -hmm. wine. And But the, keeping them clean is another thing. It's all basically stainless steel, some uh, stainless or some barrel aging. But again, for a good, crisp, clean wine, you have to be very careful it's not contaminated by anything. Where red wines, you're fermenting in a open tank, a, ta uh, a barrel, and some of that fermentation process kills some of the things that may be trying to get in there. David, Grant, it's always a pleasure to have mm -hmm. you in the Thank studio with us. We always us. learn so much and yes. enjoy the tasting so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's super. Pleasure. Next year. We will be here. 2024. Uh, of course. It's a date. Thank you, John Ash. Yeah, you're welcome. We will talk again next week following the news at the top of the hour. It's Clark Wolf at the table. This is KSRO.